Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Hey folks, it's me, Dwayne Hoover, slashing prices because we're going bananas down here for Hawaiian week. And we're loaded with new cars and trucks. Ask anybody. You can trust Dwayne Hoover. Breakfast of champions, Mr. Hoover. Hey everybody, Dwayne Hoover, the man you can trust. Dwayne Hoover is the best employer in town. Dwayne. It's Dwayne Hoover. Dwayne Hoover. Dwayne Hoover. People know who you are, don't they? I need to hear truths I haven't heard before. Well, there's something interesting, Kilgore Trout, huh? Kilgore Trout should win the Nobel Prize for Literature. From the best-selling novel by Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Hey! Bruce Willis, Albert Finney, Nick Nolte, Barbara Hershey, Glenn Headley, Lucas Haas, Omar Epps. You don't have to be crazy to work here, but... Sure helps. What the hell he meant by that, huh? In an Alan Rudolph film, <laughs> Breakfast of Champions. All right. All right. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Breakfast of Champions is a movie adapted by, from a Kurt Vonnegut novel that I've never read. And I like Slaughterhouse-Five quite a bit, so I feel like I probably should have read it. Um, I imagine... Well, the author would say no. I yeah, that, I know. That's what I read. That's what I read. I guess okay. he, he considers it not a very good... But I, I do remember hearing about Breakfast of Champions even before this movie came out. So I think it's somewhat well-regarded amongst his works. It is, yeah. But... It has a lot of uh, artwork in it that just can't really... Can't really translate the reading experience i sp- i say that uh i read this at some point in like high school because my dad was really into had a lot of old paperbacks of kurt vonnegut stuff uh so i was probably too young to really be the uh the audience for it but uh you know when you're a teenager it's definitely you know it's off the beaten path it was fun you, you have that sense of discovery about it where it's like you know your thing and i remember breakfast champions and i remember in particular uh there's a drawing of an anus in it 
which was like the, uh, you know, you just turn the page and you, uh, you're going to get a drawing of an anus. You never know what's going to pop up next. So it definitely has that sort of playful sensibility that I guess the film attempts to have in its translation to a completely different medium. Um, but there is no close up of an anus here. Not in this film. I mean, it couldn't have, it couldn't have hurt, uh, the movie. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> considering it was a huge bomb and critically revolved pretty much yes. anything. <laughs> And this comes, so this comes right in the middle of Sixth Sense, uh, its successful box office run. And, Mm -hmm. and so it is funny that the minute Bruce Willis kind of steps outside of his comfort zone, which I, I, you know, I, I wish he would, I wish he would take on, uh, more offbeat, different roles like this. Uh, but yeah, in 1999, the minute he does that, he ends up with, you know, uh, probably one of Alan Rudolph's worst movies. And he, he, so Alan Rudolph is a guy who came up as a screenwriter and he wrote the screenplay for Buffalo Bill and the Indians. And he did a lot of work with Robert Altman and Robert Altman was a producer in some of his uh, films and vice versa. And, um, his film right before this, Afterglow, is, is a really good movie with Julie Christie and Nick Nolte that uh, is, is very weird and offbeat as well, but but just just has a much more consistent uh, tone and, and and much more consistent ideas, I think. And I saw this. Uh, this is actually the first Alan Rudolph movie I ever saw. And I didn't know what to make of it, but I remember I remember liking it as a kid, and I think I had just never seen anything like it at that point. And I remember thinking, "Oh, this wasn't so bad. This is, you know, this is fine." So I was coming to it with kind of a weird uh, interest, thinking that maybe I'll be able to read a lot more from it. Uh, but I was actually like supremely disappointed, and and kind of um, I don't know, upset at myself for uh for even enjoying this like a little bit in 1999 <laughs> and, and i just found nothing i found nothing to like about it today aside aside from it being an interesting uh trivia uh answer in case anyone asks you what movie features the most uh armageddon uh uh cast members mm. outside of armageddon um <clears throat> which would be this movie uh but yeah i just i you know, I, I, I wasn't into it at all. I definitely wasn't, uh, you know, laughing with the zaniness uh, this time. And, and I definitely didn't feel connected to uh, Willis's character, uh, his, his conflicts, uh, or, or really understand uh, what he's going through at all. And, and when we get the solution, the, the solution to the story uh, at the end, I'm just kind of uh, miffed at, at, at how... Uh, insightful the movie thinks it is. Uh, again, I haven't read the book. You know, I haven't. Read, maybe the, those things are presented uh, in a more interesting and memorable way. Uh, but but this, um, I guess, thesis line that that uh, Alan uh, Albert Finney uh, delivers at the end here that solves all of Bruce Willis's problems. Um, you know, I was kind of insulted by that whole thing, and I don't know what was your take on it. Dennis, this is where you tell me that this is your favorite movie of 1999, and I am just a big idiot uh, for not liking it. I well, I was really hoping that uh, I would be able to glean something from it because, like you, I I did check this out on video 
and I didn't have strong memories of it. Unlike you, I remember really disliking it. Um, and I don't even think it was because I had read the book. Cause as, as I said, I was probably too young to really like take much from, from the novel other than like, Oh, this is zany and kind of fun. Uh, and it has very dark humor, which all that is in the film. Uh, unfortunately, like there's, there's not a single character here to really like ground you and mm-hmm. all of like the sort of like these little minute i guess miniature like breakdowns uh in their own you know different levels but you have bruce willis albert finney and nick nolte who really like i guess could be the main character of you know a, a very different movie um where it's just them it's just them going through something internally and for whatever reason people aren't acknowledging it but when you have like you know nolte is playing a guy who works for the bruce willis character Dwayne hoover who's this car salesman and his big hang-up is that the Bruce Willis character knows something about his personal life sexually but you know it's two different you have you know, it's like a who's on first type routine where you have people having these one-sided conversations with other characters and somehow like it aligns to their perceptions of their of themselves uh that are totally inaccurate you know people people basically are just like so self-involved in this uh that it does not make for an enjoyable, you know, almost two hour sit. Um, I mean, I could see this, like the only way this would work would be if this was like part of an anthology, where I guess where there's an expectation with a shorter runtime that you can just have something, uh, so stylistically over the top, uh, that you can just kind of like you've talked about with film festival culture where you're like, well, boy, that was something like that mm-hmm. got my attention. It wasn't necessarily good, but you know it's so different that that's that's worth like remarking on as opposed to something that has a more standard uh, structure to it. Uh, th- I, I you know this one I, I don't expect anyone listening um, to have seen it, and maybe that's that's probably like worse for us because maybe the only people seeking out a podcast on Breakfast of Champions are like diehards, and unfortunately they're going to find two people that are like, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but like at least for me, it's like I I don't really know what to make of this. Uh, this seems like clearly like a passion project i'm guessing from you know all involved you even have you have omar epps uh in a pretty thankless part as a this like ex-con who also sort of gets swept up in this weird uh manic energy of this car salesman you have owen wilson appearing on tv like you have will Patton as a truck driver like you, you have a lot of people michael Clark I, feel, Duncan. I feel like i feel like everyone's part is thankless in this movie yeah yeah that's strange <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the, you know, the only merit of the film is that they, it's able to do that from, you know, the top down. Um, but yeah, I think this is uh, with our last episode, we're talking about this unrest, um, that, uh, you know, these people that seemingly have been successful in their lives, uh, like Bruce Willis's character, uh, to some extent, I guess, Albert Finney is this author, um, are just just totally unwell and uh, ill at ease uh, with the life the lives that they've made for themselves, and I guess in some ways, um, you know, I could see people, I could see this being like a very young person's film, uh, or you know, s- someone that's tired of the American Beauties and really want to, they want to go off the beaten path and find something different. But I don't think it's really palatable in any way, and 
it doesn't really aspire to be. Um, so this was this was nap inducing for me before we <laughs> before we got on to record today. I was like, I, d- I did manage to actually watch the whole thing like you. I didn't laugh. I'm just like sitting there stone faced, like wondering how long this is going to last. And as soon as it was over, I fell asleep. I like, you know, I was like, OK, you know, I'm, I'm going to this. I earned this nap after watching this movie. So I don't know where we take this. Uh, Alan Rudolph's other movies. So Welcome to to L.A. is considered like one of his major films. I, I didn't care for it. I thought it was boring. Um, let's see. OK, Love at Large, 1990, I think, is is, is pretty enjoyable. Uh, also, what was what his most... Uh... You know, mainstream film. What's his biggest? I don't success? know. I don't know. Probably, okay, <laughs> probably Afterglow. I would think because it got an Oscar nomination. I don't know. I'm I'm just chuckling because I'm like, yeah, I don't think the the filmmakers' uh, work is also like a huge like selling point to to like <laughs> getting people to like check out Breakfast of Champions because there's not the you know Bruce Willis to me is like like because when you said that I had an idea in my head that Bruce Willis did this fairly often like you know the sort of one for them one for me thing. But this is actually like a, a really big sort of outlier. Like even going through his like main, I guess, reign as a movie star throughout the the nineties. I, I mean, the closest I come to like describing what performance you'll get out of Bruce Willis here it would probably be Death Becomes Her, as far as the style of comedy he's going for. Like the the he's just like he's always at an eleven of sort of desperation here. But I I didn't realize because I just uh you know I thought he he did this stuff all the time, but like. I don't know. Like I, I, maybe that's a discussion. The only really uh, discussion we can have about this is like <laughs> passion projects uh, gone wrong. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where to take this. Cause I, I think it's sort of just a, a big mess of a movie. Yeah. And I, I agree. And, and I, I, I love Willis in death becomes her. I think that's my favorite Bruce Willis performance uh, of all time. Uh, like he's just, <laughs> Uh, even more so than, than, than Die Hard, which I love. Uh, you, you know, he's just so uh, funny, and you wouldn't expect uh, Willis to, to be able to, to do that. And I, I like when, when um, uh, I just bought Moonrise Kingdom the other day, and, and, and that's, a, that's a Bruce Willis role, role I, I quite like. And so, uh, yeah, that's all I can really say. It's really sad that he stepped out of his comfort zone, and it just turned out to, to be this. And I don't know. I don't want to judge Rudolph too harshly because there are a lot of big films of his that I haven't seen yet. I just, I'm just always really kind of worried that they're going to be uh, something that I have to crack, something that I have to kind of really uh, uh, work to to get inside of. And I'm not, you know, I'm not against doing that and everything. It's just hard to uh, sit down to something like that often. And yeah, Breakfast of Champions is better. You know, like this was the, one of the hardest films to find for this podcast. And I think I alt because this, this DVD is out of print. It, it was released uh, shortly after the film came out and it hasn't been, hasn't had any re-release on home video at all. And so ultimately I had to go and find a copy at the library and that was it. And I was just kind of like crossing my fingers and hoping it would play. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to guess it's not been uh, well used. <laughs> You're probably on some sort of list now for checking this one out. Uh, another film I thought of, and I've not watched it in years and years, um, probably closer to its release would be Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, which is another, I guess, sort of 
cultural touchstone from, you know, relevant period to breakfast of champions. And I, I would say it's probably a, a close approximation to the style of comedy. If you want to call it that, that you're going for there. But that one, I don't know if that just had the, uh, had Johnny Depp or just had, it just has a better name recognition uh, going on. Uh, that was a film that I also struggled with. I, I really love like the opening drive across the desert, but I'm pretty sure I've not rewatched it more than once. Cause that, that's also a haze for me. I mean, the movie is a drug induced haze, but you know, some people really, really dig those type of films. So what, you know, that with that particular style, what do you think works about? And I don't know if you think that fear and loathing in Las Vegas works, but it's definitely held in higher regard. Uh, than Breakfast of Champions. I, I love Fear and Loathing. Uh, you know, I think I think it's a very strong film that that I have revisited. I could see you struggling with it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't mean that like that. Uh, I just mean you I know, it's it definitely a, not. I'm it's a definitely fine, not the standing citizen. It's definitely that, not the that, kind of protagonist that you. I could see you uh, following for two hours uh, willingly. Um, you I don't know. associate with those type of people, Ben. I'm glad. See, I think you've... I think I think Hunter S. Thompson in that movie, it's just sort of like like a train wreck, like you can't look away kind of deal. Mm. And, and yeah, he's a morally bankrupt, uh, you know, person in that film. But you know, I mean, they're capturing an era, they're capturing a time. Uh, you know, it, it does a much better job of uh, of bringing Hunter S. Thompson to the screen than uh, than the Bill Murray film from the 1980s uh, mm, did i'm not seeing that it's you don't have to and yeah okay. we've gotten way off of breakfast of the champions and that's that's you know i'm sorry breakfast of the champions but you know you well, there's no suck. story here really. <laughs> yeah i know uh, there isn't much for us to debate about what didn't work uh or or you know i i can't imagine that in anyone in the editing uh forced him to to make his movie into <laughs> a zany mess i feel like it must have been a conscious choice you know, well, and if you're the editor, Ben, and you're, you're I mean, I'm, I'm assuming here just based on the finished product, but I can't imagine there were <laughs> too many alternate directions. Uh -huh. You could really take this. You kind of have to embrace this is the disaster that we're, we're dealing with here. Um, I the closest I would come to, you know, saying that there's something mildly enjoyable about it is that Albert Finney and Nick Nolte can really deliver a pretty good rant you know, slash breakdown, uh, you know, they've got the, they've got the voice, they've got the intensity for it. Um, so, I mean, I could see like, and I hate to talk about this with something that clearly like people were passionate about, and this is not an easy thing to bring to the screen, uh, or very marketable, but you know, I could see some of this, like if you found just a random scene of Finney or Nick Nolte, maybe even Bruce Willis on like YouTube, it may pique your interest. But what you know, that I don't think you're going to get any more than what you would get from a random scene from this movie. I don't I don't think there's any more there there. It's just more of it. Yeah, I would I would I would agree. And, um, you know, I'm not sure what. So in terms of 1999. So uh, how are we feeling about the whole thing? Because we haven't oh, done that didn't. in a while. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we kind of let the, uh, I guess, like episode 50, uh, which was the Iron Giant, which uh, we had certainly had a little bit more to talk about than we did here with Breakfast of Champions. Uh, well, just like behind the curtains, like practical podcast talk, you know, I, I sent you a message where I'm like, boy, we sure have a lot. We have a lot of material left to cover. Um, and that's even with 1999, I think, being stronger, even in the, you know, winter, spring 
summer uh, months than I would say is normal, uh, especially when you get into the, the early months. I felt like there was a lot more interesting material than there were in most years. Uh, so it's normally ex- accepted that a lot of good stuff's can come out, especially when you get into the last three months when they, the respective studios make their Oscar push. Um, the biggest, I don't know. How about we do like, uh, do you want to, at this point without getting into like, you know, our sort of our rankings, which we sort of hinted out, which we're saving for the, the end of this run. Um, you know, at this point, almost just over halfway through, uh, what's, what's been the biggest, uh, I guess, rediscovery for you or the, the biggest disappointment, uh, as upon, uh, revisiting these films. <sighs> See, you, I, I turned it back on you cause you just said, I know, you know, broadly, like how I, are you feeling about it? I I'm disappointed that you, that you're, that you are disappointed in American beauty in a more immediate really? sense. <laughs> You didn't expect that? You, you, no, you, I did not. I did not. I thought you would wow. have something to, uh, you know, to like about it uh, today. That's See, that's so, so funny because, like, I came in, like, when I watched it, I was like, that was entertaining. I liked that. Um, and then, like, you, you know, you came in, like, uh, like, like you're working for DreamWorks, you know, Oscar campaign. Where I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, he's giving me, like, you know, this material to read and, like, here's, here's all this in-depth analysis of it and i was just like yeah it's it's fine and i really like annette benning like i you know that my biggest takeaway from american beauty was uh and i haven't looked at the the nominees or anything or i don't really remember who won but i was like i wish she had won instead of kevin spacey i i really liked her performance there and i liked her character so there is that good enough for you is that i'll accept it i'll accept okay it. well I, w- I won't go to my my you know the drum that i beat a lot about how much i really enjoyed pushing 10 uh again i i won't won't go there um, I think my biggest disappointment, uh, has been one of those layup movies, like my absolute hatred, like legitimate hatred, not this, uh, these trumped up charges you're giving me of, uh, how much I disliked American beauty, but uh, never been kissed. I found <laughs> revolting and I, <laughs> I despise that movie. So for all of my hangups with the central hook, I guess, of American beauty, uh, that sets this man on his, his quest, uh, I find, uh, never been kissed, uh, far more troublesome. Than, than it and i would have thought that 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 is my type of material like a nice rom-com big movie star uh i fully expected to really enjoy that particular episode and i hated uh, almost everything about it yeah going in a more positive direction <laughs> um the <laughs> why do that well, i hope you're gonna talk about entrapment because i love no, entrapment. <laughs> um going in a more positive direction uh i would i would say that summer of sam holding up as well as it mm. does is a is a big surprise uh not a big surprise but something i'm pleasantly surprised about and i was also disappointed in american pie uh you know so that's here we go again me. I, I tell you what the most I, I take it back the most troublesome thing i've discovered about this podcast is not the the failure of uh you know the that thankless Drew Barrymore rom-com, but it's your love of Chris Klein in this particular year <laughs> that has kept me up at nights where I'm just like, I just can't, what I is can't wrong with connect Chris with Klein? it. What is wrong I with just, Chris I just, Klein? <laughs> I just thought he was pretty bad. I think he's always been, you know, uh, pretty bad or he's sort of like, here you are. Like we discussed, like you're going to play like the airhead guy, but in particular with American pie, I so sided with Stifler that I'm just like, I don't want to hear, any more horseshit out of your mouth, Chris Klein, uh, about, you know, trying to, trying to go to the choir and hook up with the choir girl and his, his, uh, musical stylings, his vocal solos. I just, I find him, I find him very cringeworthy, uh, cringeworthy, but also I don't condemn the movie cause I think it's 
probably accurate to that teenage experience of trying to put on different hats or to, to kind of move within different, different groups uh, during that period. But yeah, it's just like, I'm still like baffled. Uh, anytime Chris Klein comes up just at your defense of this man. Well, you know, I just, you know, I think it was uh, that stupid movie, uh, uh, writers something. Uh, I don't remember the title of it at this point. Authors Anonymous, uh, which is a stupid movie, but it was, you know, harmless fun. And I just don't understand why we can't have, you know, harmless fun uh, these days. And speaking of which, so our next movie uh, will be. So while you've been prattling on, uh, I've been struggling to kind of find a way to connect Bruce Willis to Mm. our next movie. And I can't. So I can give you one more sentence of prattle of positivity. <laughs> uh, if it was not for nine, nine from nine, nine, I doubt I would have ever gotten around to October sky, which, uh, I really, really enjoyed. I, th- I think that's a, uh, you know, possibly a great movie coming out this year. It did not help. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stay in character next time. I'm going to be totally negative. I, I see. Well, I'm, there I'm you not go. appreciated. There um, you go. Bruce Willis do uh okay, so our next film. So we're trying to You try to... and do it. You try and do it. You try I mean, you know, let's see who can do it first. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I'd be uh cheating uh again. Um like, you know, because I, I think we can easily connect uh using the same movie. How about that? That's the same movie I used last time, the last episode. Bruce you Willis can use it again. was in uh, you know, the with Sam J he was in Pulp Fiction, or, or what was the movie you said? Uh, I used Die Hard with a Vengeance because I was Vengeance. trying to placate you. With but, Sam okay. Jackson. But then mm-hmm. what was Sam Jackson in that uh, anyone from... I can't think of anything. You can't think of anything with uh, Ashley Judd and Sam Jackson? No. Is there a big one I'm forgetting? Uh, well... Um, we got to cut this whole thing out. This is all terrible. Uh, <laughs> this was your idea. <laughs> I, know. I mean, I know. <laughs> I'm just giving it's a time to kill again. Ashley Judd's in a time to kill. No, she isn't. Yes, yeah, she is. Oh, you're right. Okay. That does it. There we go. We did it. Uh, so our next movie <laughs> is double jeopardy and it was, you know, not the, uh, the round in jeopardy, but you know, the movie a, starring Ashley Judd and Tommy should cut out. Not the six degrees of <laughs> Kevin Spacey that we're playing. Um, oh, God, yeah, don't one, do six degrees of Kevin Spacey. Uh, <laughs> well, 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 I don't think... Does he come up again? He doesn't come up again in good. 1999, right? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Um, yes, but uh, Double Jeopardy. All I remember of this one was that... Because uh, I was working at... I started working at a video store uh, around this time. And in my small town, there were a lot... A lot, probably an uncomfortable amount of middle-aged women who really would check this one out uh, on repeat. Um, and I remember finding that, uh, you know, maybe that was their own personal uh, American beauty, their own their own fantasy life. But I, so in my head, I think of it as some huge hit, just because it seemed to be like a big success in my small town. But I don't know if it actually is. All right. Well, uh, that anecdote is both disturbing and upsetting. Uh, Double Jeopardy was uh, was a big hit. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, for yeah, it was it it was a hit. It was a hit. Well, uh, I, we, I mean, I don't know why I had to, you know, 
it sounds like you were you went really positive, then you had to qualify it there. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it's a, uh, a hit that you probably, that's beating the same drum, probably would not get today, right? One would hope not, I guess. But. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that's how we finish that off. <laughs> And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99